Dr. Doug Knieven was born in the Cincinnati area of Ohio. He got his DVM from Ohio State University in 1987 and went into private practice in Pennsylvania directly afterwards. He was certified in veterinary acupuncture by the International Veterinary Acupuncture Society in 1995 and around that time did training in Bach flower remedies and clinical nutrition. He took the Pitcairn homeopathy course in 1999. He was certified in animal chiropractic by the American Veterinary Chiropractic Association in 2001 and in Chinese herbal medicine by the Healing Oasis Wellness Center in 2001 as well. Dr. Kneven has been a member of the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association since 1995. He's lectured on holistic veterinary medicine both nationally and internationally and has published two books, Stand By Me, a holistic handbook for animals, their people, and the lives they share together, and The Holistic Health Guide for Dogs, Natural Care for the Whole Dog. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Doug Kneven. Dr. Kneven, thanks for joining me today. Ah, it's great to talk to you, Neil. So, you were born in Cincinnati. Yes, and I grew up in a little town north of Cincinnati called Mount Healthy, which I have to admit really wasn't much more than a hill. And I don't know that the people there were any healthier than other people in the area. So it's probably just a total, you know, it's a total fraud, really. <laughs> it sounds good, though. <laughs> exactly. I thought so. <laughs> so when did you decide that you want to be a veterinarian? It was in high school, actually. You know, it's, this is really, I don't know, uh, fortuitous for me. Because we had pets growing up, and I loved animals. I mostly liked, you know, catching, you know, salamanders and snakes and turtles, and and then releasing them and so forth. Um, I thought I wanted to be like a forester or something until I had to do a project in high school that educated me on what foresters actually do. <laughs> so, um, and my parents were like. Um, they're like the clients that we don't like to see because I, I don't remember ever taking any of our animals to the veterinarian, put it <laughs> that way. So when I decided in high school that I wanted to be a veterinarian, I actually had absolutely no idea <laughs> what a veterinarian actually does. And it wasn't until, uh, I don't know, the second year in undergrad that I actually went to a veterinary clinic because you had to get in volunteer hours to get into vet school. Right. So, um, so I, started volunteering at the local vets and just loved it. So I knew I was in the right place, but it was um, probably a little bit, uh, like I say, fortuitous because I had gone pretty far by the time I decided to, uh, that that's really what I wanted to do. Oh, geez. Did you, you went to OSU for undergrad, yeah? Correct. Yes. What'd you major in? Yeah. Well, I was pretty much planning on getting into vet school because I majored, majored in zoology. Ah. Uh. Yeah. And when I got into vet school, I thought I wanted to be a zoo vet until we had the one um, uh, class on zoo vet. What was that? Dr. Gardner? Yes. Um, he did the one, like a three-hour class on being a zoo vet. And I realized, nah, I probably don't really want to be a zoo vet. Oh, jeez. Um, and you got in, did you get in after three years or four of undergrad? I got in after three. Yeah. I was lucky. Yeah, me too. Um did you enjoy your vet school experience? Um, enjoy. That's a little strong of a word. Uh, I felt like I was always struggling. 
I mean, I enjoyed the learning. I certainly enjoyed it once we got into clinics. Um, I mean, now that I look back on it, I can say I enjoyed it. But I think if you asked me during the time, I would say, no, I'm not enjoying this. I think I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, it was hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was hard enough to get in, but then it was harder to stay in. Yes. Yes. I always felt, uh, you know, just like the continual crush to, to keep up and to stay in. And yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one who felt that way. Yeah. Did, um, did you go in with the idea that it was going to be small animal or did you have other besides the zoo thing? Um, no, I had absolutely no experience with large animal. I had very little interest in large animal. I'll tell you though, um, when I did the large animal clinical rotation and even equine, um, actually Dr. Cohn smiled at me. If you can believe that, um, <laughs> yeah, it happened. Um, because I, I, uh, I was the only one who, who was like taking shoes off of the horses before surgery. She was just impressed that I stepped up and took the shoes off of a horse. I'd never done it before. And, you know, looked like it'd be easy enough. So I think I actually got an A in that rotation, which kind of oh. ticked off other kids who were like into equine. <laughs> right. We were responsible for doing a lot of stuff. Now that I think back about that, you know, taking shoes off and going in the middle of the night and getting in those stalls and, yeah, you know, when it might not have been the best idea for, for some of us to be in there alone. But. Right. Right. So, I'm going to guess that you had no exposure to alternative medicine in school. Aha. Uh -huh. But you would guess wrong. Oh, okay. Because I believe it might have been junior year after lectures were done. Someone came in and did a lecture on acupuncture. And I believe it was, um, oh, I can't think of his first name, Dr. Griffin from Columbus. Oh, Don Griffith. Yeah, Don. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm almost positive it was him, and so that was a spark. Um, and actually, even early on, uh, when I was out of school, I had some. Um, I purchased some uh, drawings of the point locations, so I didn't know. You know, I didn't have a book to read about it or anything, but I had the point locations. Huh. Um I, I think, uh, let me ask you, I should give the listeners some context that, that uh, Doug is a year ahead of me at school. So we both went to Ohio State. Um, Was I ahead you, of you? I thought you were ahead of me. No, no, oh. no, no. Um, did you have any idea that Dr. Scarta did acupuncture when we were students? No idea whatsoever. Yeah. Isn't that a shame? That is. That uh, is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to have this anesthesiologist who was extremely skilled from, from, you know, I, you find out later, um, and had a wealth of knowledge about acupuncture and not to be, to have the students exposed to that at all is just a real shame. Yeah, that is. Ah, boy, that kind of gets you, doesn't it? It does. All right. So graduation then off to Pennsylvania. Yes. <laughs> into a, into a group practice or what, how'd you, where'd you end up? Oh gosh. Okay. So my, I'll, um, my understanding, th this is going to be a long story to answer your question. 
but you're into stories, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I believe that my class in vet school uh, at Ohio State was the first one that had as many women as men. Every class before had more men than women. And then pretty much starting at our class, there were more women than men. And the reason I start off with that story is that when you have a 50-50 mix of men and women, um, people get together. So I ended up marrying someone my junior year, marrying a classmate my junior year. And she was from this area. So we, um, when we first got out of practice, we worked for her brother who had a mixed practice. And um, within three months of graduating, we bought a building in a small town in Pennsylvania, Elwood City. We bought a building. We had $6,000 to put down as the down payment. Uh, we kicked out the uh, savings and loan that was renting the space, and there were apartments upstairs. So we stayed upstairs. Uh, we turned the uh, savings and loan into a veterinary practice. And I'll tell you, it was pretty swanky. We were the only veterinary practice around that had wall-to-wall carpeting. Wow. If you can imagine that. How practical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, three years out of school, we're out on our own. It was, uh, it was wild. Did you feel like you were ready? No, 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 no. Well, I must have because we did it. You know, I remember looking in books, looking in surgery books and doing surgery. You know, they say, see one, do one, teach one. Well, I was reading about one and doing one. (laughs) 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 And we were on call 24 hours a day. And then we opened up a second practice in another small town, a satellite practice. And then like a couple years later, um, the veterinarian at the local Humane Society passed away and there was a clinic there and we bought that. And then our marriage fell apart. So then we kind of split up the practices and went our own way. How many did you? How many employee veterinarians did you have at that time? At that moment, we had three, actually. Okay. Four. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. There were the two of us and two employees. We had two employed veterinarians and the two of us. So four total. Gotcha. Now, did you did you? get any of those associates in the divorce, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we, we kind of split up the practices, so the associates went with the practices that they were working at. All right. And you kept, so you took one out of the three. Yes. And that's the, that's Beaver where you're at now. Not exactly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the plot thickens. So All right. I took the humane society, um, practice. And I was in a five-year contract where basically I, I was renting the space from the Humane Society and also doing their spays and neuters and uh, taking care of any of their sick animals as part of the contract. And it became um, obvious that the relationship wasn't going to work out longer than the five years. And so luckily... Just before then, uh, I think about a year before the contract expired, 
there was a veterinarian close by that was selling an office in Beaver um, that had been a veterinary practice since the 1930s. And he was actually out of Calcutta, Ohio, and he just had this thing open a couple days a week. Uh, and so we purchased that as kind of a satellite clinic. And then when we got out of the Humane Society, we moved in there and expanded it significantly as well. The, the real estate, you expanded the real estate? The, the building, yes. Yeah. And was it just you at that point as far as veterinarian? Um, no, I had, um, at least one other veterinarian with me at the time. Yeah, I think just one veterinarian with me at that time. So you were squeezed in there trying to expand the building. Yeah, that was fun too, <laughs> because we had to, um, you know, work out of the old part while they were building on the addition. And then once they built the addition, we had to kind of work out of the addition while they were revamping the old part to match the new part. And so where in the time, um, where in the timeline did you decide I've got my head above water, I'm going to start studying acupuncture? <laughs> no, it uh, actually started before the um, move to Beaver. Okay. So it was, I took the uh, acupuncture course, I IVIS course, which was the only course around at the time in, um, I think it was 94, 95. Where was it then at that point? It was in um, Texas, in Houston. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> so you had an associate at least to keep keep things going while you, while you went to school. Exactly. Yes. Did you enjoy your course? Oh, very much. I mean, I, it was just such an eye-opening experience. Just, you know, it was a foreign language and a foreign way of thinking about medicine all at the same time. I was very excited. I came home immediately, and, and I always joke with my uh, clients that uh, when I first started doing acupuncture, I couldn't practice on my patients because that would be malpractice. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, so I had to practice on my wife. <laughs> but she was a very willing, a very willing guinea pig. She had like sinus allergy issues and back pain and things like that, and you know, I mean that. The joy of working on a person is that you can actually hear, you know, ask them, you know, how are you feeling? And you can hear, you know, how much better they feel. With animals, you have to kind of infer it. And sometimes it takes a while to really understand how much you're helping. That's true. We, as veterinarians, we're at a bit of a disadvantage there. That's for sure. And we have to rely on the clients to tell us how the pet's doing. And I find that very unreliable because sometimes there's so much wishful thinking they have to really convince me that things are getting better. And I think that they think that I don't believe in myself because I keep asking them, are you sure that you're noticing that? <laughs> what uh, I particularly like when you, you have a set of spouses in the room and one has one opinion on how the pet is doing and the other has the exact opposite opinion. Yes. Yeah. That's always fun. Um, yeah. But the other one, the one that I really like is when the wife is all enthused about acupuncture and she's doing it on the dog, and the husband's a total skeptic. Of course, he, you never meet the husband, but eventually the wife comes in and says, yeah, my husband noticed the other day. And that's when I know that you really had improvement when the skeptic chimes in. And then that's every right. once in a while, a few, you know, a year later while you're still treating the animal, 
that was supposed to be dead six months before, um, the the, uh, the woman will say, yeah, my husband just went for acupuncture and he likes it too. <laughs> That's our mission. Spread exactly. the word. Yes. So what came in your training? What came after acupuncture? Um, actually, homeopathy. I took uh, Pitcairn's homeopathy course and I came back. Um, every time I did a vaccine, I was shaking and, you know, uh, it was really, I found it difficult to integrate homeopathy into a conventional practice. Was it, is it difficult to get the clients to, uh, to buy into it or no? Well, you know, when clients come, a lot of them are just seeking whatever's going to help. The, the problem that I had was explaining it to them. And especially the part about an aggravation where things can get worse before they get better. Because sometimes, well, I had a really bad experience where I had this cat with asthma and I had it well controlled with acupuncture. And then I decided, well, with homeopathy, I can actually cure the case. I'm just palliating it with acupuncture. So, so we started with that, with uh, homeopathy and we stopped the acupuncture because that could interfere with the homeopathy. And, you know, it's true that things get worse before they get better, but it's also true that things get worse before they get really, really, really bad and the animal dies, which is what ended up happening with that case. And so after that, uh, I really kind of soured on homeopathy. It's like, I really believe in homeopathy. And I think in the right hands of the right people, it can work miracles, but it just... I, every once in a while, I'll reach for a homeopathic remedy, but I really don't use it too much anymore now. Yeah, we have to settle in for what resonates with us, I guess, right? Right. Right. All right. So what what came after uh, Pitcairn? Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think now. I think I was kind of doing chiropractic and Chinese herbs pretty close together. I'm not sure which one came first. And with the chiropractic, I... I didn't do it exactly right in order. So it took me a little extra time to get through that. So chiropractic and, and Chinese herbal medicine is what kind of at the same time. Where did you go for chiropractic? Um, options. Yeah. I think that was the only place around then that was sure. in um, late nineties. Yeah. And in Hillsdale. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cold, <laughs> Beautiful. Barn. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful Hillsdale, Illinois. Yes. And where did you do your Chinese herbs? I did that with um, Healing Oasis. Who taught the course? Um, Michelle. Michelle Rivera. Yeah. So how many were in your class there? Oh, maybe a dozen. Yeah. It was, so it was very small. Pretty intense learning experience, I imagine. Yeah, it was very nice. I mean, I mean you know Michelle. It, she's very... Uh, down to earth and, and, uh, easy to talk to and everything. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, had you been to a chiropractor yourself prior to going to options? Oh yeah, actually. Yes. Because my wife's brother is a chiropractor. I almost don't count him as a chiropractor because it was so common. But yeah, once, once, uh, I met my current wife, um, we, we would go all the time, you know, once a month or so just to keep our backs straightened out. But I never really had any major issues that 
you know, chiropractic cured me of. We're uh, just, again, for the listeners, we're pretty close geographically. We're what, maybe two and a half hours away from each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, how did you feel the, when you started adjusting animals, how did you feel the, uh, did you feel there's much of a chiropractic culture amongst your clients at that point? Um, not as much as there is now. Uh, you, you know, I really, I don't really even advertise the chiropractic aspect of what I do very often. Um, so people are seeking me out when they come for chiropractic. Uh, and, uh, I, I would say in the, uh, what was that? The late nineties. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of clients, but you know, I definitely have a lot going on now. That was just a, that was something, I mean, you correct me if I'm, let me know if this was your experience, but going to options and being around uh, veterinarians and chiropractors from say the mid, you know, the Midwest toward the West and even the South. I mean, a lot of those docs would come from towns where chiropractic was a a thing, you know, that was just something that people did. And it was a more regular part of healthcare than, than I certainly had growing up. Well, see, I don't know that that was necessarily a regional thing as much as it was as it was a timing thing. You know, um, there was the um, the lawsuit against the AMA that the chiropractors brought. I forget right. when that was decided, like in the nineteen eighties. Yep. Yes. And I really think that chiropractic, I don't know, came to life after that. After they won that suit. I agree. I agree. I mean, there were chiropractors certainly in, in my area. And I even remember being treated by one who remarked one day that he golfed with some physicians. And even though those physicians had voted to keep him from practicing at a, in a certain medical center, wow. oh, <laughs> you know, you know, and that was in the mid nineties. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. All right. So have we finished up the educational portion? I mean, obviously a ton of continuing, continuing education. Yeah. I mean, those were the major things. I, I've gone to Chi Institute a number of times and taken some of their herbal courses and their Twina and the food therapy. Um, so, but I, I didn't bother to get the certification in those. I just wanted to learn about it. You have probably had a unique experience with your Chinese herbal medicine because I don't know how long that course ran. I wonder. Yeah. I guess you don't hear about that anymore, do you? <laughs> no, I, I can't remember it for the longest time. So um, I think you're pretty fortunate to have had Michelle for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I feel good. So you've been active in the AHVMA for a long time. Yes. And, and a pretty regular attendee at the meetings. Yeah. Well, I've been on the conference committee, so that kind of, it didn't make it mandatory, but sure made it um, almost mandatory. <laughs> yes. So do you, do you remember when you started doing a lot of speaking? When did that start to come up? Oh, um, boy. You know, I, um, oh, when was it? It must have been in the late... 2000s, whatever you call those, maybe 2008, 2009. Yeah. I, um, I, 
I uh, flew myself to standard process because I wanted to get involved with speaking for them. And I got them to sponsor a lecture that I did in South Carolina for the state organization there. And I remember that uh, somehow in communicating with them, the people, the state people, after the lecture, they said something about, they didn't say any names, but they implied that they had talked to somebody in charge of the holistic organization who, who couldn't vouch for me. And so at the next holistic meeting, I went up to Carvel and I said, hey, how come, you, how come you're not promoting me? And he said, well, I've never heard you speak, so how can I know one way or the other? And I think it was probably the next year. It, I remember it was the meeting that we did in, um, oh, shoot, Reno. Oh, yeah. So that, you know, I think that was maybe 2008, 2009. Um, I had done some, I did some lectures uh, and one of them was on nutrition and someone from Nature's Variety was in the audience and they grabbed onto me and said, hey, do you want to do some lectures for us? So then for, for several years, Nature's Variety was flying me around to talk to their retailers to get them excited about their food. And it was so funny because uh, my, my contact at the company was so frustrated that she could say the same exact thing and nobody listened to her. But if it came out of the mouth of a veterinarian, somehow it was credible. <laughs> what was it like working for Standard Process or, you know, speaking on behalf of them? Yeah, um, it was, it was good. I mean, uh, they basically just paid my speaking fees and things like that. So there wasn't really much involvement with them. And they allowed me to speak on whatever topics I wanted to. They just wanted the sponsorship at the meeting. Did you receive extra training from them? Nope. Okay. Not at that time. There was some training a couple of years ago. So I still do some speaking for standard process. And things have changed quite a bit as far as compliance. So anything before I can do any kind of lecture the compliance department looks at it and they're very tuned into making any kind of statements that could possibly get them into legal trouble. You know, like claiming that nutrients cure anything. Uh, do you use a fair bit of their, their products in your practice now? I, I, I've always used, actually I started using their products when I took the homeopathy course, because that was one of the only things that, the homeopathic vets promoted that wouldn't interfere with homeopathy. So that's when I got started. And that was before they came up with their vet line. Once they came up with the vet line, to be honest with you, even though I speak for standard process, I don't use the human line. Like there's veterinarians out there who know all of the different human products and they use those on animals too. I pretty much just stick with the veterinary line. But yeah, I, I use uh it quite a bit. So when did the idea come that you wanted to start writing, writing books? Oh, wow. Well, let's see. Before I started lecturing, um, and really about the time I was getting started into holistic medicine, um, I got into the local newspaper and I had a weekly column. And this was strictly... 
um, conventional veterinary medicine, you know, kind of like Dear Abby, um, where I would take a problem or discuss a case or something like that. And so that kind of got me used to um, writing. And then um, there's another organization I belong to, uh, the Association for Research and Enlightenment. And uh, they decided they wanted a book on animals and came to me for that. And that was the first book that I wrote. It was called Stand By Me. I think that came out in 2003. So that kind of gives you an idea of the timeline there. Yeah. And, and then, so you, you work yeah. for the publisher. That, that must have been interesting. It was a totally different process. Yes. And I had, I had the cover design in my mind. I had the title in my mind and talked to the editor and they were like, nope. <laughs> and and I, my thought was, well, you know what? I'm a veterinarian. You're a writing editor. I'm going to go with what you say. So I didn't really push back on anything. Yeah. But it's interesting because they came to me to write this book. And then a few years later, Another group came to me, uh, TFH. They do a lot of those breed books with all the pretty pictures. Yeah. Um, they came to me, and I don't even know how they got my name, and asked me to, to write a book. And that, that was an interesting process, too. How so? Well, it, there was a lot more editing and a lot more collaboration with the editor. But again, I kind of deferred to their judgment. Yeah. Um, any more books in you? Do you think you had anything in the pipeline? No. And, you know, when I, when I uh, took a couple months off for COVID, my thought was I wanted to republish one of my books, you know, self-publish it, but I just couldn't quite get around to it. So what are you active in now? What are you up to? Um, oh, well, I'm the chief veterinarian for Answers Pet Food, which is a raw pet food company. That just started the very beginning of this year. So that mostly involves kind of, they, they want to have more of a focus on veterinarians and holistic veterinarians. So um, I'm writing blogs for them. Um, I'm doing podcasts for them also uh, and um, doing some webinars. Uh, we put together a four hour webinar on raw food that is race approved. So that's going to be coming up in September. That's wonderful. Yeah. They're a great, they're a great company. Oh, good. I'm glad you, I'm glad you think so. They're local. Of course. I mean, very local for you. Uh, yeah. Well, relatively local, but um, we love their products and, and the owners are quite nice. They've been great to work with. Yeah. Actually I met their, the woman who's kind of the brainchild is uh, Jacqueline Hill. And I, she was my contact person at Nature's Variety. So I've known her for years before Answers even came about. And I'm pretty sure that I'm the very first veterinarian to carry their products. Oh, wow. Um, are you still working with the Center for Enlightenment? Um. Association for Research and Enlightenment. Yes. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I'm on their uh, board of directors, board of trustees right now. So that's been eating up a lot of my time too. Yeah, we'll talk about that group a little bit. Okay. Um, so in the early two or the early 1900s, uh, there was a man named Edgar Casey who was able to. He found out he was able to put himself into 
basically a, a, a trance, a meditative state. And in, in this state, he could be asked questions and he would give answers. And it really started as kind of medical intuition. So people who had incurable diseases uh, came to him. And a lot of times when nobody else could help, the um, information that came from him did help. And then eventually people started asking him more kind of universal and spiritual questions. And so that's where kind of the enlightenment part of the organization came from. So um, he went on for about 30 years giving readings and all of the readings were meticulously um, uh, dictated and copied. And so now there's, um, oh, I'm trying to think, I think, over 5,000 readings that uh, on different topics and, and subjects. Incredible. Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So what do you do for, what do you, <laughs> what do you do for fun? How do you stay balanced? What? Well, um, like I'm sure you do meditation. I think that really helps. And our house is out in the middle of the woods. We have gardens. Um, so, getting out in nature. Uh, my wife and I like to travel, which obviously we haven't been able to do lately, but we've gone to a lot of uh, foreign countries. And I, I like, we both like, you know, exploring foreign cultures and things like that. Ancient, ancient civilizations. Great. So how many uh, veterinarians at your practice now? Uh, three counting me. So you're able to take that time off and have no no blip. Yeah, it, it works out pretty well. And you're, you're both of your associates, are they? Yes. Well, okay. I'm a, so I'm an associate now too, cause I sold out to a corporation, uh, last fall. Oh, yep. Okay. I cashed Wonderful. out. Wonderful. So how's, how's that been going back to the associate role? Um, it's been okay. It hasn't really changed too much for me because my wife was really more the business, you know, taking care of the business part. And I was pretty much the medical director and I'm still the medical director now. So, I mean, there's a little more paperwork to get time off. I mean, before I would just say, Hey, I'm going out of town. And now, now I have to kind of check in with somebody. Um, but, uh, yeah, overall it's, it's been a good experience. And now you don't have to worry about transition. Right. Exactly. Because I've tried that a couple of times with veterinarians and invariably, you know, the deal would fall through. Are your associates trained in the modalities that you do? No. So one of my associates um, is trained in acupuncture. She took the Chi course about three years ago. The other one... I don't think he has too much interest in alternative medicine, although every once in a while I'll see him pull one of my supplements off the shelf and, and uh, send it home with a patient. So there's, there's hope for him, I think, but uh, it hasn't totally rubbed off on him yet. And, and the associate that has the acupuncture, I was hoping that when she took the course, she would like fall in love with it and, you know, want to learn more, but she, she does a good job, and she. When I go out of town, she can keep doing my acupuncture cases, which is a total blessing. She does a wonderful job, but she's just not interested in getting more involved with alternative medicine. 
which I'm really surprised because she even told a story about her daughter and how she used acupuncture on her daughter and, and helped her daughter. And you would think that an experience like that would make you want to get more involved. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so you were able to take your, your two months off here and, and have your cases still be tended to, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I, when I was, when I was out with the COVID, I, um, I did keep an eye on my cases and I, I had my staff, you know, email me when things would come up so I could keep things on track. Ah, so did the corporation have any input into uh, the holistic part of your practice? Did they want to change that? Are they okay to just leave it as is? Oh, they, they were excited about having a holistic practice. And in fact, they usually do kind of a yearly conference and they were, they had invited me to come speak at their conference. Oh, so yeah, they're, they're, you know, this stuff is actually getting popular and people are willing to pay for it. And companies are starting to realize that. That's great. That's That's really great. Yeah. If there was going to be any issue with that, I wouldn't have gone with them. Yeah. You know, I just see, uh, your practices of the size where a corporation would be interested, but I see a lot of practitioners like myself where we're smaller, you know, one to two doctors and, you know, we're yeah. not, we're not quite that, that option probably won't be available to us. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what is your plan? I ha I don't have a plan. <laughs> I have a, my, my plan is to drop dead at my desk at age 103. <laughs> <laughs> not for a long, long, long time. That's right. That's right. Hey, is there anything that uh, we didn't talk about that we should have? Huh. Well, I mean, we, we kind of touched on nutrition, but just the idea that processed pet food is garbage and people need to feed animals what animals evolved eating. That's kind of where my passion has, has been for a long time. Well, the answers thing will certainly play into that now, won't it? Oh, uh, yeah. It just so happens. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. To be able to spread that message. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really a blessing that I've um, fallen into these opportunities all along the way. Um, I really feel blessed. Well, Doug, I feel blessed to have known you for this long and I, I really appreciate your time and, and talking with me. Hey, it's been uh, really good knowing you all these years too, Neil. And uh, here's to many, many more years. That sounds good to me. All right. Hopefully we'll see you soon. Yes. You take care. All right. You Bye too. Bye-bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.